Welcome Bible Rundown, Day 39, Leviticus 4 through 5 and Matthew 24. I'm David here with Rob. Rob, we continue to move along and there's a chapter 4 and 5 talk a lot about intentional or unintentional sin. What are we to make of those? Yeah, it's interesting. We just talked about this together, but uh, the unintentionality is, is somebody who uh, sins but is repentant and comes back to the Lord, uh, offers that sin offering. That, that, and, and what you would call the high-handed sin is somebody who is intentional in their sin uh, against the Lord and continuing to live in that sin. And there's a difference here in Scripture. Yeah, uh, just... Piggybacking off of that, Numbers 15, which again, Leviticus is going to be focused on the tabernacle's been constructed, but in a short period of time before they're leaving Sinai, Leviticus takes place. And so what Moses is recording here is going to be echoed in other passages, and we see it in Numbers 15. Um, But verses 22 and 23 talk about if you sin unintentionally, don't observe all the commandments that the Lord has spoken to Moses and all the Lord has commanded you. then if it was done unintentionally without knowledge of that, right, there's atonement for it. So we're seeing that similar language that we see in Leviticus. But if you go down, verses 30 through 31, but if the person who does it with what you just said, a high hand, whether he's a, a native, right, or a sojourner, but reviles the Lord shall be cut off his people. And 31 explains this high hand attitude. It's because that person has despised the word of the Lord and broken his commandment willfully. And so... Yeah, I think the simplest way is to understand we're going to mess up, right? Mm-hmm. And, and chapter 4 lays it out. The priests are going to mess up. The leaders are going to mess up. The congregation or the assembly of all the people are going to mess up. And the individuals are going to mess up. We are all not without sin, right? Mm-hmm. We are not blameless before God. And God deals with us in our weakness, as we see in Hebrews 5, understanding that even the priests are beset with sin and so God, in his grace and mercy, allows there to be a way that we can be forgiven and our sin can be removed through this system of sacrifices. Yeah, and I want to point out one more thing in chapter 5. In, in the verse 2, if anyone touches an unclean thing, and then he goes on to talk about uh, touching human uncleanness, we'll, we'll deal with death and, and, and all sorts of bodily fluids and all sorts of things that make someone unclean as we go through the book of Leviticus. But we have to understand that this is, is, is an aspect of death, mm-hmm. that God himself does not die. And so he cannot, de- he cannot, so when we touch something that is dead or something that is unclean, it cannot be in God's presence or else he, his wrath will pour out against that. So even, even death, when we touch someone who is dead, which... Again, science will show and, and history will show that uh, we, we are to wash our hands when we, we, we deal with, with dead people or else we'll get germs and diseases and all sorts of things. The, the, the issues here is, is that God does not allow uncleanliness in his sight. And so that's part of why the tabernacle has to be made clean or made holy. That's why the priests have to put on these new clothes and all of these, these type of things. They have to walk through these processes. And that's also part of the, the reason why that sacrifices has to be made for uncleanliness is to 
pour out the wrath of God upon that uncleanliness so that they could be made clean. So that's that's why the picture of the Bible, of the cross of Christ, when the, the blood washes away our sin, mm-hmm. it makes us clean, David. Mm-hmm. And for us, the promise and, and really the fulfillment is 1 John 1, 9 is the culmination of it, right? But we come to God humbly in the midst of our sin, knowing that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all of our now, now, Matthew 24 is an interesting text, David. And I want to spend some time here because, um, you know, what is he talking about? Is he talking about the end of days? Is he talking about, um, you know, AD 70 when the temple is destroyed? What exactly are we talking about and the signs of the end of the age? When, when will this come? What should we get from this? Good question. I, let's be honest. People are going to split hairs over this and whether we interpret it as a literal things that Jesus is pointing out, right? The, we were talking about the abomination of desolation and how that's to be interpreted. Um, regardless, I think what we need, the way I, I back up into it, and this kind of goes off the conversation we were having before we started this, is uh, the system of the world is always going to be opposed to God and his people. Mm. And so I think as we approach the end of the age when Christ will return, it is expected, and Jesus is warning us, that the weight of the world and everything that Satan has in his arsenal will be thrown against the church. But I love 2414 and these other promises even that we get in uh, in, in verse uh, 44 and later on. But God, God, his word, what Christ has ordained through the church will never fail and never fade. And to Christ's ultimate promise in 2414, right? This gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached and it's going to go where God wants it to go, to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come. Right. So so many believe that this abomination of desolation uh, is Antiochus IV as he desecrates the temple in Jerusalem from Daniel's time. This is about 167 BC, but here here we have a lot going on. At the beginning of 24, we see that they're talking about the building of the temple, the buildings of the temple, the stones upon one another that will be thrown down. And so Jesus is kind of talking about multiple things here. Uh, Number one, he's talking about the end in verses three through 14, and, and we can see all of these happening in our world today. Rumors of wars, wars, rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, famines, earthquakes, birth pains, uh, false prophets, lawlessness will increase. All of these things are happening right now, right? We understand this, this is what's going to happen as the testimony of the kingdom of God is proclaimed throughout the earth. But then the abomination that causes desolation. As we see this, we know that in AD 70, the temple was completely destroyed by the Romans, um, we, we understand that there is no more temple in Jerusalem. Right. right. And guess what sits upon the, the temple in Jerusalem now? A mosque, mm-hmm. right? Um, among the Temple Mount. That's an in, in, interesting tidbit that, that, that in actuality, there's nothing, there's no temple mount. There's no temple, there's no sacrifice being offered. Because why? Because we are the temple, David. We're the temple, we're the dwelling place of God, we're the Holy Spirit here. So I... I honestly think that um, what we're talking about here is AD 70. And I think Jesus is predicting that mm. AD 70 is actually the time in which the, the, uh, the des- abomination that causes des- desolation will be and the, and the time in which the Jews will be slaughtered. 
So, two, like we said, two different views on the abomination. I think, Rob, the thing that's ultimately clear, there will be no controversy over when Jesus has returned, right? He makes abundantly clear that people will claim that the Son has returned, and, and those will be false witnesses mm-hmm. of what is happening. He says it'll happen as quick as lightning across the sky, but these signs of what's to come will be no match for the scene when he does actually return. And he says no one will know when he comes. So we cannot know when he comes. Not the timing of, but we will know when he arrives. We will will know when he arrives, but we won't know when that is happening. So all the people that are telling us, oh, it's going to happen next year, it's going to happen this year, it's going to happen in 2040, whatever, we need to be aware that the Scripture tells us that we do not know the day and time, but we do need to be ready, David. Yeah, and these warnings at the very end, kind of... uh, scary, right? He talks about, again, using a, a example of a faithful servant and a wicked servant. Um, man, may we be found to be the faithful servant. Until he comes again. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow. Bible rundown, if the Lord tarries.